In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. Hey, welcome back to another story. I love these narratives. Today we have Tim Woods. Uh, we actually met through Lego, uh, which is interesting because of uh, my Lego background, and I've always called Lego a connector, and truly, in this case, it it has connected Tim and I together. So it might be a little confusing on this one because both of our first names are Tim, but we'll try to keep it clear for you guys. <laughs> but I want to introduce Tim. He lives down in Illinois. Uh, we've met through several Lego conventions. We've talked several times. I've actually been a guest on his Facebook Lives and Instagram Lives for some of the Lego stuff. So I'm really excited to hear about the whole story of what you've got in your life, Tim, rather than just the highlights that we've talked about quite a bit. Right. So welcome, welcome. I'm really, really thankful you're here. I'm really glad to be able to be doing this with you. Good talking to you again. Great to be here. Yeah. So let's go ahead and open up because I, as we've said before, we we try to keep this in a, a nice consecutive or try to keep it in a pattern of the uh, 10 minute, 10 minute, 10 minutes. So let's get into the belief systems or the things that you thought growing up that as you entered into your adulthood, what were those things that you really kind of latched onto and said, this is how life is going to be? Well, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised Church of God, which was non-Pentecostal. It was a uh, non-denominational church of God. And the way I was raised was it was dress, right, dress. All right. So everything had to be shirt and tie. You know, you had to present yourself accordingly. And then as far as doctrine views, one of the things that just kind of boggled my mind was on their belief was Satan was never in heaven. Okay. That was one of the things, you know. Okay, I took and ran with it as a child. All right, he was he was never in heaven. And the more that I studied as I became an adult, I realized, you know what? That's not what the Bible's telling me. You know, there's telling he's telling me that that he fell and took a third of the angels with him. And you know, reading that, discovering that myself, that was one of the things that, you know, that kind of kind of gave me a little bit of a setback. So it made me kind of question the core values and beliefs that were instilled in me at that time. You know, I was told that, you know, when you present yourself at church, you know, you got to have that shirt tie on. You got to look a certain way. You got to dress a certain way. You got to act a certain way to a certain point. Yes. Okay. But as I entered adulthood in that transition from when I got married to about, my youngest son is 21 now. Between the point that I got married was uh, 95. I was working for a tire manufacturer at that time. And to the point that my son was seven, eight years old, there was an aspect there to where I didn't really want anything to do with the church. It's interesting. Let's pause on that. Maybe peel back a couple layers of, of the onion here, proverbially, because I think a lot of us and people that are in our age group, you know, what do you want to call us, the Gen Xers or the boomers or whatever, um, right. we grew up in church. That was the thing that was kind of inbred in us of, 
you go to church every weekend and and a lot of us our age we actually have something in the background of a, a church or something that goes along that and then all of a sudden you find something that you were taught in the church aspect of it to my brain is like breaking because I've had this exact same situation. So I'm just like, I know exactly what you're saying here, but it shakes you almost to the core because all of a sudden you realize something that you were taught is not what was actually written. It sounds like you, you kind of hit a point in there. And I kind of want to dive into that a little bit more. Like what, what was that all of a sudden? Like, how did that happen in regards to like, Oh my goodness, things that I've been taught for 10 years, 15 years, all through childhood, all of a sudden it's like, that's not actually the way it is. And I, I, you were taught to, to dress right and act right. Right. But there was never right. that, that relationship going on. But like, what was that shaking moment? Like, I mean, cause you said you, you're kind of starting to dive into the fact that you just totally walked away from the church aspect, but what was that? Well, so what happened was I committed my life to Christ in high school. Okay. And was never baptized until my son was seven. And what happened, I would put in all kinds of ridiculous hours at this uh, tire manufacturer. And to the point, I mean, you're talking 12, 14 hours shifts, plus an hour drive time there and back. That was my life. And I knew right from wrong. I knew how I should act, but I wasn't acting that way. So Mm -hmm. what happened I can remember very vividly. I was getting ready to go in on a midnight shift and some people will call it a dream. Some people will call it a nightmare. Some people may say vision, but I have no doubts. It was God saying, wake up. So this was approximately, it was, I want to say it was probably eight o'clock in the evening and I was out cold. And I remember because when Lisa came into the room, I was sitting upright in bed, sweating nonstop. But what transpired was I was sitting there and in this vision, dream, whatever, the it was bright as day out, okay? It seemed like it was high noon, light outside, and basically setting in hell was this vision that I had, you know, this nightmare or dream. And... The, the message was, listen, you've been taught, you know, right from wrong. Now, as far as the doctrine side, that was, that was, we'll get into that. But he said, you know, right from wrong, you're not living. It. If you were to die right now, this is where you'd be. And I can remember that vividly. And I was sitting up in bed, screamed out her name. She come running down the hall. She said, what in the world is wrong? And there I was just sitting there, right, right straight up in bed, sweating. I said, I'm not living the way I'm supposed to be living. So we were attending First Christian Church at that time, still are. And uh, I said, I've got to talk to the pastor now. I said, I've never walked the walk that I was called to do. I said, I've never been baptized. This is wrong. I said, it has to be made right, right now. And I can remember reaching out. Our pastor was Jason at the time, reached out to him. And I said, listen, I'm going to go to work. I got to swing by the church. I need baptized. I said, this needs to be made correct. And the reason I know, you know, I told, I told you my son was uh, approximately seven years old. It was November because I turned around and ended up baptizing him mm. right there at that time. Now, 
from that point on, did I have a roller coaster life? Yeah, I mean, we had our ups and downs, but I started investing in the word more, digging in more. I was always the type of guy, though, that would always want to be backstage, right? I didn't really totally commit to my walk until approximately three years ago to where, not that I wasn't a Christian, I want to be that guy that came in, sat on the pew, warmed the pew, and then whatever needed to be done in the background, that was me, okay? I didn't want any any spotlight on me. I didn't want to talk to anybody. This wouldn't have happened <laughs> at all. You know, this wouldn't have happened three years ago. And the turning point three years ago was a battle between me and God on me trying to climb down off the wall, trying to get off the wall as far as uh, we talk about uh, Nehemiah when he was on the wall, rebuilding the wall for Jerusalem. And he was distracted. He was, he was pulled in multiple directions, but he stayed on the wall. I was on the wall, but where I was led to, I didn't want to stay on the wall. And I was trying to climb down off that wall. And because I had different opportunities that come up and they wasn't opportunities. They were callings. This is where you need to be. Mm. You know, this opportunity is open. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is what I was supposed to be doing. But it's like, you know what? I'm not qualified for that. I, I can't do that. Uh, that's not me. You know, I, I don't get up in front of a, a group of 20, 30 people and, and teach them about God, you know. I'll make sure that they show up and we keep them corralled and keep them contained and keep them safe. I said, but I'm sorry, that's not me as far as, you know, teaching these kids. And it was. Can I, I'm going to pause you on that point there. So what made you feel that you weren't qualified? What what was the, uh, I mean, like, was that a belief system that came through the time of, you know, growing up? Or was it the fact that there were lies in your head, a narrative that was a false narrative? Like what, what made you feel unqualified? The reason why I'm asking this, too, is because this is really, I think, a thing that everybody struggles with, whether you're in the business world, you're in the church, or or even in our own personal lives, is there's times when we're asked to do something, asked to step up. You're using the illustration of being on the wall. We're asked to be on the wall, but yet we don't feel qualified to be on the wall. So what, you know, what was going on at that point in time that was so, really driving that? So in that meantime... You know, like I said, you know, I would help out in, in the background. My wife and I, we taught a, uh, a third and fourth grade class on Wednesday nights with our, uh, for our youth minister at that time. And I always played second fiddle. The reason being was going back to the way I was raised and the doctrine of the church that we attend now and digging into that and their beliefs and reading the Bible and having a pastor that was capable of saying, listen, this is why. Let's take this back to Greek. Let's take this back to Hebrew and explain to it, you know, to me in and out and be able to sit down and not just take his word for it. Where I was raised, I, I hate to say this, you heard the old cliche, you know, it's my way or the highway. Yeah. And that's pretty much the way it was. If you were to challenge what was being preached from the pulpit, you were basically considered an outcast. That's not the way we're taught. You know, you got to do it this way. You know, if you don't have this belief, then you don't need to be here. And that's the way I was raised. 
and having that conviction where you're you're being led and not just listen this is what's being preached here's the text dig into it yourself and then you start reading and you start rightly dividing the word of god and you're digging in deeper and then all of a sudden it's like you know what this makes perfect sense this is crystal clear and then you have a pastor that's stepping up and pastor tj is uh, is absolutely amazing and you know stepping in it's like all right this is what's going on let's break it down to to the greek and he, and that's what he does and when you're sitting there and you're listening to all that and you're thinking well this is the way i was taught man i'm not qualified to teach this because I'm kind of learning some of this myself right now. Mm. You know, how am I called to teach this? And that was, that was a few years back. That was actually, uh, we're probably pushing five years ago, five or six years ago at that time. And pastor uh, TJ, he's been in the past three years. And, you know, I was digging in before and I'm thinking, I can't teach a class full time. You know, I can't, I can't work with a youth group as far as, all right, here's the Bible. You've got this question. Let's dig into the word and see what the Bible says about it. I wasn't comfortable doing that because of my beliefs as, as a child. We're just kind of going the wrong direction of what the Bible actually said and trying to, you know, put that in perspective and learn some of that myself. Once I finally sat down, and started doing what the Bible commands us to do, you know, to, like I said, to rightly divide the word, invest in him and spend time in him, it became crystal clear. I think it's truly, and whether, again, we're talking about religion or even in, I know a lot of listeners are in the, the corporate world as well. doesn't matter that institution. There's a lot of people out there that say, it's my way or the highway. Like that, right. that piece right there is absolutely key. And I think a lot of us grew up under that, call it a regime of it's my way or the highway. And it's really caused us to be hesitant to share what we have found and which is what I think right. teaching is. And that's what you're doing. And no matter if it's in the business or if it's in the, the church or wherever, it's tough to shake that stigma off of our shoulders. Just the fact of trying to be different than what it was that we were raised. Right. Right. Absolutely. So it sounds like there was a couple of big things in there that kind of caused you to twist. Was there any one key element other than the the vision that you were talking about? Was there anything else? Because you said you guys were, you were trying to get back off the wall. So you had one major event and then it sounds like you had another major event. And then now you're at your stage of, you know, moving forward with where you're at currently. And I mean, we're, we're not young geezers anymore. So. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that we definitely are not. So the major turning point, I had a couple, like you said, the major turning point was about uh, a little over three years ago. And so, like I said, I was that guy. I didn't want the spotlight on me. Yeah. And uh, our youth minister of 30 years, gentleman by the name of Tim Mules, passed away December of 2019. And I think it was late January of 2020, our new pastor, TJ, came in. And uh, TJ, I'll, I'll hook you up with him. You'll definitely be inspired and just, you know, I don't want to say awestruck, but I mean, 
this guy is just, he, he's mind boggling as far as the knowledge that he has. But uh, I guess that comes with about seven doctors. But, <laughs> but anyway, he came in, it was late January of 2020. And I can remember we were having our Wednesday night, first Wednesday night with him. And my wife and I were standing outside his office and we we're getting ready to leave. And my wife's office is right next door to his office. And he's like, I need to ask you guys something. Have you thought about a Christian school? It's like, absolutely. I thought about a Christian school. That would be great. I said, Lisa and I, I said, we graduated from Christian school and I would, I think that vision's awesome. He said, what about youth? What about the youth leadership? What about a youth leader? He said, is that a you thing? Is that a her thing? Is that both you guys? He said, how does that look? And Tim immediately, my response was, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. That's that's going to have to be a her thing. I've got a full-time job. Right. And I said, I've got, I got a family to support. I can't do that. And here's the thing. I pushed it off on her. And she was working at the post office and she had already stepped in as a volunteer director of student ministries at that time uh, since Tim's passing. Now, there's I just we're going to make it confusing. So yeah, there's, no, three no, <laughs> there's three Tims now. But since his passing, she had stepped in and our pastor at that time uh, before TJ came in, it's like, are you going to step up? I said, nope, I'll stay in the background. And I'll help out. You tell me where I, I'm needed and I'll help out. But I'm not stepping forward. So I helped her out. And she done that for over a year. I'm probably pushing 18 months, actually, a year and a half, where she volunteered. And she was working a full-time job. She was within steps away of becoming postmaster for the post office. And she was doing that full-time. She was doing director of student ministries as a volunteer full-time. So that conversation was probably late January, mid-February with our pastor. And then March 1st, I never had issues with my back. I started with major back issues, back pain to where it hurt to walk. Hmm. I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? So I ended up going to pain management. So I I called the doctor. He said, man, let's try pain management. Uh, we don't we don't need surgery yet. I said, okay. And of course, they've done some x-rays and they sent me this pain management and they've done a spinal epidural. So this will last three to six months. I think you just got some back pain going on. It doesn't seem like anything major. I said, okay. It lasted three weeks. Hmm. Thinking, all right, never had back issues. And now this. So ended up going back to the doctor and it was the Thursday before Easter, and I had another spinal epidural. Now, they tell you when you get these that the first couple days, you'll get no effect, and it's usually about the third day. It'll take hold, and you're going to start feeling good. Well, Thursday evening, I felt great. It's like, this is good. And Friday, I felt like I could do cartwheels. You know me. (laughs) I'm not built for cartwheels no more (laughs) at all. But I felt like I could run and jump and do cartwheels. Like, man, this is awesome. It took hold. It's great. Saturday was the same thing. Easter Sunday, it was about noon. We're walking through the church. And I told my wife, I said, there's something wrong. She said, what do you mean there's something wrong? I said, 
my legs are locking up on. Mm. And we were working with the kids at that time. And I was trying to gather the, the younger kids back up. I said, I've got issues. I said, I can hardly move here. So me being hardheaded, went home, just kind of sat around, got up and clocked in to work the next morning at, at uh, 4.45 a.m. Being hardheaded. I wasn't yep. going to let this yeah, hold I'm me down. It, yeah. And the guys were trying to cover for me. And it got to the point to where I was hardly moving. I had to be escorted off the property. So I had switched jobs. And I was working for a uh, company that is uh, contracted to make uh, ammunition for the uh, U.S. military. And love the job. Well, when you're dealing with explosives and you're having back issues and you can't walk, you're a liability. Yeah. Not only to yourself, but if you're to drop something and it goes boom. And everything goes boom. Everything goes boom, right. And it's not just you going, you're taking a lot of people with you. So I was escorted off the property and that's when everything started. So the uh, spinal epidurals were done, started getting into MRIs and x-rays. And, and the whole time I was fixated with every doctor's visit I had. When are you going to let me go back to work? You got to release me. Let me go back to work. I was focused on the wrong thing. Mm. And I just kept on. I was being very persistent, you know. It, it sounds like that was your identity. The work was your identity. It was. And uh, and I realize that now. And that's that was part of the things that was ingrained in me, you know, through my father was, hey, you got to work. You know, I don't care if you, you fall and cut your arm, you know, rub some dirt in it and get up and go back, you know you don't let anything like that hold you down. And that yeah. was who I was. It was the work. And it kept on progressing to where it finally got to the point. They said on the MRI, I said, yeah, you've got issues back there. And they went in and done surgery. And I've got rods. I've got plates. I've got spacers. I've got screws from L4 down to my S1. And that's all bolted up and shimmed and, and, mm splice, you you name it, you know, fused together. So they rebuilt that area. Well, that felt great. And I'm asking on my follow-up, all right, when do I go back to work? When do I go back to work? I said, listen, you've got a lot of therapy to go through. You're not going back to work yet. Still very persistent on that. Then it got to the point to where something was wrong. The pain was going up my back and it was flaring out to both sides. Mm. And Went through the same process again, started doing MRIs and, and x-rays. And they ceased the therapy because the, ther- the therapist is like, listen, he's not getting better. The, the pain is getting worse. He's hardly walking. And they're the ones that initiated the, the MRI again, the second MRIs. So they've done that. And I get called in for the reading. Before I left, I was at our church and I was in the sanctuary. I was picking up communion cups. And I can remember that was my breaking point. I said, listen, I said, God, if you want me to go back to work, I'll go back to work. But if you don't, I'm hard headed. You better make it really clear what you want me to do. And before I left, our pastor, TJ, he's like, hey, I want to talk to you. I said, "Okay, sure. No problem. He said, it'd be real quick. So it was probably 30 minutes later. I swung by his office and said, hey, I'm getting ready for my doctor's appointment. He said. I need to ask you something. He said, have you ever thought about a position here as a youth leader and working at the Christian school? Because we've got a Christian school here at the church. He said, and teaching, he said, Bible, 
in history. I'm thinking Bible's where I struggle. You know, that's <laughs> my mind. You know, that's, take that's the biggest area of weakness <laughs> where I struggle. That's like, and right. I'm going to be teaching this to seventh and eighth graders. I said, and didn't hesitate. I said, God, that's fast. He said, excuse me. I said, you don't understand. I was just praying in the sanctuary when I was picking up these communion cups. <laughs> and this is what I asked. And this is what I said. I said, and now you've offered this. I said, I'm very interested in that. So like I said, me being hard headed, I get to the surgeon. He comes in, throws the uh, MRI up. He said, this isn't good. Said, okay. What's going on? He said, everything has been bolted back together. He said, you're starting to herniate again. Hmm. I said, okay. He said, that's not the problem. He said, all the way up to L2 is collapsing. He said, you've got advanced stages of degenerative back disease and advanced stages of facet degeneration. He mm -hmm. said, where the nerves pass through, he said, it has collapsed right around L3. I think it was L3 is what he said. L3, yeah, L3 or L2 has collapsed. He said, it's pinching your nerves. He said, that's the reason you're struggling. He said, you stand up. He said, you've got an hour or two. He said, then my right leg will go numb if I stand up too long. If I sit down too long, so traveling all these shows, <laughs> I'm like an hour in the car and I got to get out and walk because my left leg will start locking up on me and going numb. Um, and so I had that going on and I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to go back to work, Doc? There I was. I was right back to work. He said, well, we're going to start the spinal epidural. I said, that's great. I said, the first time it lasted three weeks. I said, the second time my legs locked up. I said, let's just say it works this third time. I said, you're telling me I've got no, no bending, no lifting, no twisting, and I've got a five pound weight restriction at that time. I said, let's just say it takes hold. I said, you release me to go back to work. I'm doing all these things <laughs> that you tell me I'm not supposed to do. I said, I don't feel the pain. I continue to do damage to damage that is already there. And it gets worse. I said, let me ask you a question. When do I end up in the wheelchair? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. You're not going back to work. I said, then what do you expect me to do? I said, I've got to go back to work. He said, have you ever thought about teaching school or working with the youth? I said, oh, okay, funny story. And I told him, you know, the conversation oh, that, our, that our pastor had, uh, that I had with my pastor. And he's like, I would probably look into that. So three days later, I follow up with my primary. And Adam is something else. But he walks in, no clipboard, no iPad, nothing in his hands. He's like, hey, I looked at your MRI. Well, I'm trying to call his bluff. I said, oh, really? What, what's it say, Adam? He said, well. He said, it's not good. He said, I haven't, I haven't looked over the doctor's notes at all. He said, I just looked at the MRI. And uh, he said, everything's collapsed. I said, so when do I go back to work? He said, you're not going back to work. He said, I don't know what you've thought about or anything. He said, but my dad used to be a school teacher. <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> and he's like, have you ever thought about teaching school and working with youth? So three times. And I was like, all right, God, this is very, very clear. So I started teaching Bible at our Christian school in history. I started working with the youth. My wife was director of student ministries and vice principal of the school. Since the past year, so uh, March of last year, she went into full-time principal position 
I became the director of student, uh, student ministries and our youth leader at our church. So I get to teach that Bible every <laughs> Sunday, every Wednesday. So you, uh, you actually have made a complete shift. It's almost like 180 degree turn there, uh, maybe even 360 going all the way back around. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we're, yeah, we're getting close to the end of our time. You know, I know that you're really heavily involved and you use Lego a lot. And I, I, I know that that's part of what you do as far as the teaching and everything else that's going on. And you've even got a show coming up here in August. But as we kind of wrap up, is there something like what do you feel like you need to like, this is the one takeaway. What is the one takeaway that you want people to walk away with? Well, one thing that I, I've noticed at the shows is when I do my mosaics and stuff and, and, and people's looking at them, they always ask me what my background is. They said, are you an engineer? Well, okay. There's a lot of guys here at the shows, you know, that are engineers or retired engineers, you know, it's like, no, I'm a youth leader. I work at a church and I've got the opportunity to say, listen, I told God, no, I'm not telling him no again. Mm. Never tell God, no, stay on the wall. Don't listen to all these, you know, different distractions, different opportunities, fear. You don't know the implications of what your life will be and who you will reach by staying on the wall and doing what God has called you to do. And that's one thing I would encourage people to do. Stay on the wall. Don't step down. Persevere. Push through and fight through all the all the distractions of life to finish the job that God has called you to do and stay persistent with that. Yeah, that's so awesome. Uh, so how can people get in contact with you? I know you've got an Instagram channel. You focus on the brick. Is that the best way to get in touch with you? So yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's TW underscore bricks. Got to be different. <laughs> Throw that underscore in there. I'm also on YouTube, TW bricks. But those are the two good avenues to reach me. I try to reach everybody I can on Instagram. So if you do send me a message, it may be delayed on, on getting a response. I do respond eventually. Yeah, uh, I do get a lot of people that, that, that message me. So just hang in there. I, I will reply. <laughs> I try to reply <laughs> I to everybody. It's kind of like some of the show aspects. And Tim, I know what you go through. And just like the last show that we were together at Envy. I know you're bombarded on Saturday and Sunday. I was bombarded on Saturday, Sunday. And it's like, now I get to breathe. Well, sometimes that's the way that Instagram and oh, 100%. be, you know, you get bombarded on there. It's like, I will catch up. Honestly, yeah. I'll talk to everybody. <laughs> Those are two great avenues to get a hold of me. Uh, you mentioned the show in August. Uh, that's down in Marion, Illinois. It's called the Ultimate Brick Show for those that are listening and love to be uh, working in and around uh, Lego. We call it the Brick Show because it's what we have to do. But uh, right. at the same time, it's really, truly, a, it's going to be a great show. Um, I see all the people that you've got coming, all of the designers, the Legos, all of the different pieces and parts that are actually coming together. So it's going to be a good one. And you're going to probably continue that every year. So if you're listening to this and yes. it's several months later, it's most likely going to be in August. So look up Ultimate Brick Show and uh, you can meet us, I'm sure. And you can meet Tim Woods here. And oh, man. Good stuff, dude. Really, really good stuff. So I, I personally want to say thank you for being on the show. Any last words? Any last comments? Well, like I said, just persevere and be true to your calling. Be true to your God. I can't say that enough. I know what happens when you say no. Just stay connected to God. Reach out to Him daily. Don't live in fear. Live in faith.
Yeah, so good. Well, once again, thanks guys for listening. We are going to have another awesome show next week or uh, they come out every Saturday. So love to be able to have you guys sign up, be a part of it. And we will continue to release these awesome stories of real life challenges, bends in the roads. Sometimes it's trauma, but we learn through it. And then we become better individuals because we really focus on what's important. And that's really, truly crafting our own stories. So once again, thanks. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. See ya. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.